Yesterday's loss took us from elation to being crushed all in a matter of a few innings. But I'm going to try and break down what happened and pull out some of the good from yesterday's loss to the Rockies. I've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker. My co-host, Jeff Carr, is away for the rest of the week. It is just going to be you and I. I am a diehard baseball fan. I have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. I've taken my love of the game, my passion for baseball, and I've turned that passion into information for you. I want to thank those of you that are listening every day. If you are an everydayer, please let us know in the comment section or hit us up on Twitter. We want to hear from you how long you've been following this team and what your thoughts are about all the things that we have to say. Uh, on today's podcast, I'll be talking about Graham Ashcraft's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde performance yesterday in Colorado. I'll also dig into some of the better Reds performances in that game, and I'll tell you who the Reds have decided to name the starter for Friday's series opener against the New York Yankees at Great American Ballpark. Uh, I guess if I'm going to break down what that performance looked like uh, in Colorado and really the series as a whole, I'm pretty much just glad that it's over. I've said before, and I will say it again, that Coors Field is tough, especially uh, if you take into the effect how the Reds have played there historically. Mark Sheldon reports that the Reds are 23 and 45 since 2002 at Coors Field giving them the worst winning percentage of any major league baseball team that has played there during that time for more than 20 games. That pretty much tells you everything you need to know about playing the Rockies out in Denver. In fact, last season, Jeff and I were talking about safe baseball bets that you can make uh, over there on FanDuel. And Jeff said he always tries to take the Rockies if they're uh, underdog at home because you just never know what's going to happen out at Coors. And more often than not, he won those bets. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know about what goes on out at Coors Field uh, when you're trying to play the Rockies. Uh, Coors is just one of those places where big leads can get erased quickly uh, where outfielders struggle because there's so much ground to cover uh, balls that would be out anywhere else in major league baseball. will find a place to drop. They'll fall in because the defenses have to play a little bit differently. They're stretched thin. There's more ground to cover, especially out there in the outfield. We saw it many times yesterday, you know, reds outfielders sprinting, trying to get to a ball that would eventually just drop in uh, all of those things played a part in Graham Ashcraft's meltdown. The first four innings were great. He was cruising. Uh, he was pitching a shutout, as a matter of fact. Uh, at one point in the fourth inning, I was looking at his pitch count and looking at how much success that he was having against these Rockies hitters and thinking to myself that he had a legitimate shot to throw a complete game if he continued to pitch the way that he was. And he got out of that fourth inning uh, with no damage again. And I really thought that this game was coming together nicely to give the Reds their third series win in a row. Um, but then things took a turn 
in the fifth inning. And I mean, they took a turn. Uh, the Rockies sent all nine of their batters to the plate in the fifth inning, scoring five runs. Now, it wasn't that they were just really pounding Ashcraft. I mean, there weren't a lot of home runs. They weren't just blasting the ball, but things were just dropping in. And it really felt to me like a lot of those hits were not going to be hits at any other ballpark. I just, I feel like the outfielders were slow getting to things and it wasn't that they were slow. They just couldn't cover all that ground and Ashcraft suffered as a result. He did manage to work his way out of the fifth uh, after allowing the five runs and that basically tied the game. So it was a new ball game. Uh, Ashcraft was given the opportunity to come back out there in the sixth inning. He only had about 70 pitches, I think, maybe a little bit less when he came out in the sixth. And he quickly gave up two more runs, got into more trouble. Uh, and then it was just downhill from there. Uh, David Bell turned to Lucas Sims to try and get things under control. And things went from bad to worse. Uh, Lucas Sims only managed to record one out, one third of an inning. But in that time, he allowed four more runs to score. Uh, the Rockies took a massive 11 to 5 lead and never looked back it was really a struggle for both of those guys and i don't know we talked about this yesterday i don't know if i'm ready to be concerned i don't know if i want to feel a little panicked about how the big three have performed along the way you know hunter green didn't have an amazing start uh, nick Ash nick ashcraft graham ashcraft as i've just told you got smacked around a little bit uh, yesterday and it, it brings to a point now where with the pitching staff being in the state that it is, it, it's, it starts to get a little concerning. It starts to get a little troubling. You know, I'm not sure just how concerned or how troubled I should be right now because I keep coming back to the fact that these starts took place out in Denver at Coors Field. Uh, I think the smart play, the reasonable play is to, to try and relax and try and keep calm while we wait and see how they do the next time through the rotation. Uh, this Reds rotation is still really a great big question mark. I have some news coming up later in the show talking about what the Reds are going to do on Friday to open the series against the Yankees. And it just gives me all that much more panic when we get into this. Uh, I'm going to tell you all about why I think that uh, the Reds are making some really poor decisions in regards to how they're handling the entire pitching staff right now. But I think that Graham Ashcraft is going to be okay. I'm not going to panic. Uh, listen, Coors Field, he, he managed Coors Field for four solid innings without a problem. I think that just the nature of Coors Field, everyone talks about how uh, you can score runs in bunches there. Uh, Chris Welsh related on the broadcast a story that Don Baylor, one of the first rock, Rockies manager uh, when they came into the league you know he said basically if you're in the on deck circle you're in scoring position and that seems to be true out there in Denver more often than not I'm glad to be done with Coors Field and I'm not ready to panic but I am starting to worry a little bit about these pitching results while yesterday's game was a little disappointing, there were a few really good performances as well to talk about. Uh, I'm going to get into all of those coming up in just a few minutes. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about one of the sponsors of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by Bird Dogs. I got to tell you about Bird Dogs. These are some of the most comfortable shorts you will ever wear. Uh, you know, I living out here in Hawaii am in shorts 
all the time. It's either scrubs or shorts for me. I'm either at work or I'm in a pair of shorts. And finding the right pair of shorts can be a real gamble. Uh, not all of them fit well. Some of them are big and square and boxy, and they just don't really look good. Usually the most comfortable pairs that you can find aren't necessarily going to be the ones that you're able to wear while you go golfing, if you golf like I do, or if you're out at some kind of event. Uh, that's not the case with bird dogs. The moment you put on these shorts, you are going to know that they are different. Bird dogs give you that lounge shorts feeling, but they look like a pair of shorts you can wear out to a function or out on a date and be comfortable and look good at the same time. You have got to try bird dogs. They are so light and soft, you'll almost feel like you're wearing nothing at all. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB and enter the promo code LockedOnMLB to get a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB for the most comfortable pair of shorts you will ever own. The Reds are off today, but we'll be back in action tomorrow at 6.40 p.m. Sporting the new City Connect uniforms. They're going to be taking on the New York Yankees at 6.40 p.m. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on tomorrow's show uh, because the Reds are off today. Uh, we're going to have a crossover with Paul Holden of Locked on Rockies to kind of recap this whole series and talk about what was good, what was not so good, and what our impressions are of each other's teams. That's on tomorrow's Locked on Reds. You know, I talked about the pitching performances and the disappointments up there in the first segment. And, you know, Jeff has always uh, tried to be uh, positive and optimistic, and some of that's rubbed off on me. Uh, I did want to take a look at some of the strong performances from that game yesterday. It wasn't all bad. Uh, first of all, after Ashcraft and Sims got taken out to the woodshed, the bullpen settled in. Silvino Bracho pitched one and two thirds inning, allowing a hit, but he stopped the bleeding. No additional runs scored. And then Herget came in to pitch the eighth, only allowing a walk. That was the only base runner uh, in his inning of work and managed to shut those Rockies hitters down after uh, they did some damage in the fifth and the sixth inning. Offensively, there were a couple really good performances. Uh, we've talked about Luke Maley a little bit and what he's been able to do in the limited time that he's been out on uh, on the field. Uh, yesterday, he went two for four with a no-doubt home run and picked up a couple RBIs. On the season, he's now hitting 278, and that's in that limited playing time. He's been really good, and you know, I think I said a couple of weeks back that I had initially thought the depth chart would shake out where Kurt Casale got a majority of the playing time when it wasn't Tyler Stevenson behind the plate. And Jeff kind of correctly pointed out that of those two guys, they signed Luke Maley first. So the Reds may have known all along that he was going to be the number two catcher on this roster and get a majority of the time when Tyler Stevenson was playing first base or DH. And Luke Maley has really made a case for himself. You know, he's he's had some good defensive plays. He's thrown out some runners. Uh, he's gotten timely hits. And, you know, 278, I don't think he'll stay there all season, but for me, that is a quality backup catcher uh, for the times that Tyler Stevenson's not in the lineup or the times he's playing somewhere else in the lineup. You know, we talked about this all along with the three catcher setup that in order for that to be valuable, for that to work well, 
the catcher that's playing in place of Tyler Stevenson needs to be fairly decent. It doesn't have to be an all-star, but a little bit above average. And then that allows Tyler Stevenson to play more days at other positions. And it just makes it all make sense, giving up that last bench spot to a third catcher versus another hitter. Uh, I've questioned all along if the Reds had anybody else that you would want in that last man on the bench role that would do better than what they're getting out of having Luke Maley in the game and Tyler Stevenson in the game at the same time. Uh, I don't think there's anybody out there that you want in that role. There's some of the young guys, but if they call them up, you want them to play. So I don't think that that's a, a legitimate argument. So for me, Luke Maley has really done a good job of establishing himself as catcher number two and doing good things when he's on the field. I, I hope to see that continue because again, that really is what makes the whole three catcher setup work well. Another guy that had a good game was Spencer Steer. He went two for four with a walk and he looks like he's finally got back into the shape uh, play style that he was in before that knee injury. You know, Jeff and I talked about a couple times where uh, we thought that maybe that knee was still bothering him when he came back because he didn't look the same at the plate. But now enough time has passed. I think he's finally putting it together. Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of guys that put it together, Nick Senzel got another hit. He just kind of keeps on keeping on right now. And I am here for it. I just, I just love to see the success for him after all that he's been through and the, all the, back and forth between the team and the minors and the injuries and everything just looks really good for Nick Senzel. We talked about this on yesterday's show and you know, while I'm with Jeff, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I'm just excited to see Nick Senzel out there playing third base. Uh, and I hope that he continues to perform the way he's been as well. Uh, one of the best performances on the day yesterday belonged to Jose Barrero. Uh, he went two for three with two walks and made a couple really good defensive plays. Uh, he made one great leaping catch, uh, another play where he raced across to foul territory, called Nick Senzel off a ball, made the catch. Uh, he was playing really well. And I, I think that you can suppose a little bit how he must be feeling right now uh, with the addition of Matt McClain and the ultimate uh, knowledge that uh, Ellie De La Cruz is coming. He's coming sooner than later. Uh, Jose Barrero really needs to step it up. All is that Jose Barrero can do at this point. Uh, he had an opportunity to establish himself and grab a hold of a spot and keep a hold of it. He never really was able to do that. And if you think that that's solely his fault, or if you think the Reds play a role in that, um, there's arguments for both of those things. But now what Jose Barrero has to do is make uh, the most out of every single at bat every single inning he gets to play he's going to have to go out there and show that he belongs and it's going to be harder now because it's not going to be uh as much of a even split or you know sharing of time with kevin newman it's going to be just when matt mcclain gets an off day like yesterday so i want to see jose burrow have success i want to see him play the way that he played at shortstop yesterday anytime that he's out there but i also want the reds to continue to give him some looks in the outfield and i know there is a, a lot of good data out there that says not to teach players new positions at the major league level uh, i've seen some of you guys on twitter continuing to bring that up and it's not wrong it's hard to learn a new position when you're in the majors but you know, that's what Jose Barrero is going to have to do if he wants to stick, if he wants to stay on this team and play uh, more often than not, he's going to have to do that at multiple positions. Uh, he's going to need to be able to play in the outfield, much like Spencer Steer is eventually going to have to learn a corner outfield spot. And you may even see the Reds asking Jonathan India to learn a corner outfield spot in order to get the most effective bats on the field together. 
uh, it's not going to be pretty at times. There's going to be some errors. We saw Jose Barrero early on in the season out in the outfield run some really poor routes to the ball. We saw him make some errors. We saw him be out of position. And those are the dangers of learning a new position at the major league level. It has impacts on the games and, and in, impacts the ultimate win-loss record. But we've always talked about 2023 being the year that gets them ready for the competition that gets them ready to be serious contenders in 2024. So if that's the case, if we're still viewing things that way and the reds have to still be viewing it that way, given some of the personnel decisions they are making, we're going to talk about one of those in the next segment. They still don't seem to be all in to win. And if that's going to be the case, then yes, let's teach Jose Barreau how to play outfield at the major league level. Let's teach Jonathan India to play a corner at the major league level. And let's get Spencer Steer out there as well. It only will go to making this team that much better in 2024. There's still a lot of exciting positives right now, even if the pitching and the Reds' decisions regarding the pitching has me scratching my head. Uh, speaking of the decisions that the Reds make that have me scratching my head, they named a starter for Friday to open the series against the Yankees. I'm going to tell you who that is right after this. But before I get to that, I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 Major League Baseball teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience from collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards across global opponents. You can do that and win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. So rare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and they span three to four days in a cycle. At the end of the game weeks, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting Major League Baseball stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com slash locked on to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash locked on to start playing today. The Reds are off today, but back at it on Friday at 6.40 p.m. taking on the New York Yankees. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Click subscribe and the notification bell so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on all podcasting platforms as well if you prefer the audio feed. Also, make sure that you're following us on Twitter so that you can talk baseball with us in between shows. You can follow me on Twitter at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff Carr on Twitter at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, the Reds have made their decision and they have decided that it's gonna be a bullpen day. The Reds have decided to start Ben Lively to open the series against the New York Yankees and have themselves a bullpen day on Friday night. 
I think the Cincinnati Reds in this situation are making one of the most short-sighted decisions that they could possibly make. Listen, nothing against Ben Lively. He started 15 games for the Philadelphia Phillies in 2017. Then he started five more games for the Phillies in 2018. And he hasn't started a game since. In fact, this will only be his ninth appearance since he made that last start in Philly. He has not pitched in the majors very much at all since that last start. This will be his ninth appearance in a Major League Baseball uniform since then. The Reds could have gone with Andrew Abbott. We talked to you yesterday about Andrew Abbott and in his four starts in AAA, in 20 innings pitch, striking out 29 and only walking seven, or in his 35 and two-thirds innings total pitching work in 2023, he struck out 65 guys while only walking 10. Andrew Abbott is ready, and it makes no sense to me at all that they have decided to have a bull bullpen day they are decided that they are going to overwork an already overworked bullpen to open a series against the new york yankees a series that this team has been hyping since the schedule came out they've got signs permanent signs on the padding behind home plate advertising this series they have told you about special ticket packages that included this series with the new york yankees they've hyped it and hyped it and hyped it in order to sell tickets and then when it comes down to it to start this series they've decided to throw in the towel before the first pitch is ever thrown shout out to phil castellini because this lines up with his powerpoint it's shameful they had an opportunity in front of a big crowd to bring up another guy and probably sell out that game if they had named andrew abbott as the starter against the yankees which is already going to be well attended they probably would have packed great american ballpark but they seemingly don't care about packing Great American Ballpark. I don't understand the decision-making process behind this. It seems like nobody is looking very far down the road at all. When this bullpen falls apart in July and there aren't enough guys and we're in a situation once again where they're calling up people that they signed the day before to come pitch in this big league bullpen, there's nobody to blame but Nick Crawl and Phil Castellini. And it just, it has me worked up. I don't understand why in the world they're doing it the way that they're doing it. it it's just flat out shameful. They have the ability this season to teach these players how to play at the big league level, how to win, how to overcome adversity. And Andrew Abbott has shown that he's ready to make that next step. There is no good reason for them not to be doing it now. So what's going to happen is you're going to have a bullpen day on Friday. Hunter Green goes on Saturday and the Reds really need for Hunter Green to pitch into the seventh inning. And he hasn't really been able to do that. We saw in his last start out again, it was in Denver, but he didn't make it that far. And the bullpen had to come in and pitch a lot of outs. And that's going to be the case for the rest of this series. The Yankees are, you know, not the Yankees of years past. They've been dealing with some injury problems, but at the end of the day, the Reds are going to pretty much be playing in a hostile environment at Great American Ballpark. I suspect this is going to feel like a road game. Uh, Jeff and I talked about this yesterday, uh, whether or not we thought it was going to feel like a road game. I'm pretty convinced it's going to feel like a road game. I think the Yankees fans are going to outnumber the Reds fans by a lot. And this would be a great chance for a young pitcher to come up and be, uh, you know, see what it's like to be in Cincinnati, see what it's like to be in the home locker room and, and the, the home clubhouse and, and have that feeling and that stability and then go out and pitch in an environment that wouldn't be necessarily as welcoming, but also not quite as overwhelming as if you were pitching at Yankee Stadium. A lot of missed opportunities here. And that's kind of been the theme 
that I feel like this front office has had, uh, whether we're talking about the city connects, whether we're talking about their marketing, whether we're talking about their off season stuff with the caravans, all of the things that they've done for the last 12 months has showed a real lack of, of long-term future planning. Uh, I know that what Nick crawls doing with the roster and the organization seems to speak towards a long term plan. Uh, but when we get to times like this, when it really feels like they're just throwing away a game to start a series, uh, a series that they've made such a big deal about, uh, it just, it really ticks me off a little bit. Uh, so, all right, my, my soapbox rant is over. Uh, and that's probably where I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up. Other than to just say one more time, it's time to call up Andrew Abbott and do the right thing. Before we get out of here, don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. That will wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Thanks for always making us your first listen every day. Every dayers again tomorrow, we will have a crossover with Paul Holden of Locked on Rockies. So make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss that one. We're going to continue to be dialed in on all of the transactions, all of the rumors, all of the news, and bring all of that information back right here to keep you locked on Reds every single day. Whew, got fired up there.